You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super fortunate today to have Lisa Horner on the show with us. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thanks. And so today we wanted to talk about when the ball doesn't bounce in the right direction. And so before we get into the topic, can you share a little bit about how you got to where you are? Yes, um, I'm Lisa Horner. I'm the SVP of marketing for Appfolio. We're headquartered in Santa Barbara, California. And um, I have a winding career through services and marketing. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here at such a great company and here with you talking about it today. Superb. So a little bit of context for our listeners around how I got to know Lisa. Last year, I, uh, I, did a, I had a Craig Rosenberg on the show, and it was, I think it was like November-ish or early December-ish, but it was a little bit, we were winding the year. And, and I asked Craig, like, who has done the best job of navigating what we've all gone through? And, and without hesitation, like literally he did not even hesitate or blink. I, I, didn't, I couldn't see him, so I'm pretty sure he did not even blink. But without hesitation, he said, you got to get Lisa Horner on the show. And then at that point in time, I'm like, wow, this guy did not blink or stutter or stample or anything. Like He just said it. And so thank you for, for joining us. And, uh, and let's, let's dive in. Sounds good. And, and let me just say, Craig Rosenberg is one of my favorite people in the sales and marketing industry and uh, just a, a, an incredible advisor and help to me over the years. Yeah, I, I, I love the guy. My very first meeting with him, he, and this may be the second time I say this on this podcast, but he was like, you have got to be one of the most aggressive BD people in the whole valley. And at that point, in time, <laughs> I didn't know if to take it as a compliment or not as a compliment, but we both had a good chuckle out of it. So love the guy. Yep. So tell us a little bit about like how you navigated last year, because there's uh, cultural aspects to it. There's not knowing what's going to happen. And, and obviously, you're in a market that got extremely affected by it. So I would love for you to set the stage. And, and I have a few, few questions for you to, to educate us all. And by the way, our audience is global. Right. Uh, we actually are a US-based company. So we're at Folio, we're a technology company. Our mission is to revolutionize vertical industry businesses, providing great software and service, right? So we're a tech company and we're in the real estate, property owner, property management industry, as well as investment management. So, you know, if you can imagine uh, as this pandemic hit and we all had to, one, go remote as a company, right? We all went remote. Our customers were on the front lines. So think about being a property manager or property owner of a you know residential, multi-unit, multi-family uh, building, right? These folks, our customers were on the front lines of the pandemic in real time going through 
just, you know, a, a very unprecedented and urgent situation for them. Unbelievable. And, and so how did you guys navigate that? So, I mean, the first thing that we did as a company, really, you know, we went remote like a light switch, really just within one day, we were like, okay, let's pull the trigger. We, we're going remote. We're closing our offices and we're sending all of our employees home. Um, you know, as, as we did this, we actually did it pretty quickly. And because we are a technology company, you know, we live our lives in technology every single day. So that piece of like getting work done together remotely and collaborating effectively remotely was pretty straightforward for us. You know, the things that we really cared about, I think there were three top major things as a, a leadership team and as a business that we cared about. You know, one was our employees and their well-being and their family's well-being during this time. As schools and businesses were closing, I mean, it was just like an upheaval for some families, right? So our, our, our main goal there was our, our, how, how are our employees faring through this time and how do we invest in their well-being? So we had a lot of agility and flexibility for our employees. You know, next up was, you know, how are our customers faring through this time? And what did they need to effectively run their businesses, right? So like number two on our list was we had to be in deep connectivity with our customers and we had to go into like rapid listen mode. You know, and three, you know, this out into the midterm was we needed to ensure we could exit the pandemic as a healthy business. So those were the three things top of mind for us. Yep. And, and just to, so I want to dive in a little bit on your customers because my understanding is that uh, that your customers are property management companies and then those companies uh, charge a percentage of the rent that they collect to pay for infrastructure costs like yours. Is that the correct way to think about it? Yeah, in some senses. So here's the way I would think about this. Um, our customers, property managers and owners, right, have to communicate right with their customers and they they can do that digitally through our technology yep. right so they can not only communicate but transact business yep. so think about like a maintenance issue in a property yep. how do you do that as, as digitally as possible during a pandemic right or how do you pay rent or how do you you know transact and communicate so our technology uh, enables that for our customers and so as you can imagine our value proposition increased, right? Yes, yes. I mean, you're the system of engagement. That, that yes. that's how I feel. I mean, I'm a, I'm a customer of yours, so that's why I, I, I've I've seen the platform and uh, and and one of your employees was a colleague of mine um, at a course that I did at Stanford, and then a couple of people that worked for your company were my colleagues uh, when I was at Avalara. But but I am a customer of yours. So and as I thought about me being in that, so because obviously in that zone. I wasn't thinking about that. I'm more thinking about, wait, what is going to happen to me? And and, and I'm sharing this because there, there is the people don't understand the magnitude of what you went through. Right. And and then you're an executive at the company who has to navigate this. Right. And and everybody talks about it from the outside in, et cetera, et cetera. But the executives are have to actually internalize, empathize and motivate and, you know, execute on this. That's not a small feat. No, I think. Uh... 
you know, it really steals you. You have to, you have to lead through uncharted territory. And that's why we said, like, what are the top three things we care about? Okay, employees, customers, and, and exiting with a healthy business. All right, everything comes from that then, right? And so that was our focus for, you know, continues to be our focus, right? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I will say that, that all along in our company and one of the main, you know, tenets of our company is culture and great people, right? So we had very early and great success uh, going remote and continuing to service our customers because of that. And, and when I think about a lot of companies out there, you know, culture sometimes can be a tagline. The idea of investing in culture can be uh, something that's not well understood, right? And so from my view, our great people and the investments and the, and, and the deep uh, belief that our culture is the most foundational element of our successful business really is what fueled our ability to be successful early on and to focus outward on our customers immediately because, you know, we, we have a thriving culture here and we invest in it uh, consistently and continually. Fantastic. And so can you break down how do you guys view as culture? Like what's the framework slash mental mo model? And uh, please. I mean, here's the way that I think about culture. And this is my favorite definition. I actually don't know where I got this definition. I positively did not write this, but this is my favorite definition. So culture is a group with a good way of life. It's expressed in the habits, the rituals, and the activities so that all can flourish together, each individually, including our customers. And so this idea of both the company flourishing and the individuals within the company and customers flourishing, I think gets at the heart of what culture means to us. In there, at least the way I look at it is, there's gotta be some core values that the people who are running the ship have to actually align on so that the culture, which is a norm and behaviors, that gets manifested in an organization. Now, as you guys were going through this episode or this uh, thing that we just came out of, I, 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 I don't want to put more attention into it because it just brings negativity right to the conversation, but, but yes. like, the stuff that we've just gone through, right? It's it's did you have to refine your values did you have to to speak a little bit about them i guess like because there was a lot of people that actually did it and so how do, how did you guys speak about values amidst all this stuff i mean our values are front and center in everything that we do if if you were to walk into our offices today the, the values of our company which have been the values since the inception the the, the founders of our company uh, wrote them and they're on the wall right? They literally are on the wall. And we, we talk about our values. We make decisions based on our values. Um, and they're just front and center in everything that we do. And yes, that's the foundation of our culture, right? We all, you know, we all lean on our values as we evolve our and grow our business over time. And, and on that topic, right? Like, like, when new folks come into the organization, or when your values get tested, what type of a support system have you guys built to encourage people? Because nobody, 
wakes up in the morning and says, I'm just going to go violate values or, you know, test them, et cetera, et cetera, right? They find themselves in those situations or circumstances. And so do you have like a support group or support system? I'm just curious on how do, how do you um, reinforce or encourage the values through your organization? I think it's about, you know, when we think about the leadership characteristics and just the character that we all have, we bring the values forward in our decision making, in our annual planning process, in uh, the way that we think about our relationship to our customers over time, in keeping our customers like front and center, our customers fuel our company and our brands. So it's really an even micro and macro decision making and planning in the company. So, I mean, it's ever present. We don't have a secondary framework or secondary values committee or something like that. It really is. Our values are front and center in everything that we do. So I just want to double down on one thing that you just said, which is you actually bring your values into your annual planning process because this is very important. And this podcast is all about actionable things, right? And so I would love to encourage your people to double down on what Lisa, you just said around making sure that your values are part of that annual planning process, because sometimes as the business transitions, you may need to tweak a few things to make sure that they are for the greater good of all the constituents. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, if, if there are businesses out there that really aren't using their values in a way that's like this day to day uh, driving of the culture, you know, my recommendation is is to take a minute and take a step back and look at the mission and values and really, really make sure that they're the values that are driving your business today and invest to update those things if they're not and keep them front and center. I mean, it's critical to culture, just like we're talking about here. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for thank you for sharing that, because I really feel like like that's a big, big, big call out. And it's important. And so many times we're like rushing through different things and we just don't take the time to just pause and think about these things because they're meaningful. And it may not be be like if you're in a thousand man company, like at the top, it may sometimes not seem that way. But the front lines, like one of my, my mentors always said, hey, look, you got to make sure that the front lines are doing everything that the top is thinking about and and supporting them. And and sometimes we just like, like things get tough, right? So, okay, right. Let, let's shift gears to what does a marketer do? when you can't market, because that was somewhat of a situation you found yourself in. And so help us uh, share how you navigated that one. Yeah, that was, it was very interesting. There's, there was no playbook for this. This was unprecedented for all of us, right? And when I think about, and, and I'll just focus on marketing and, and maybe the innovation and product side here. Um, so as the pandemic hit in March, we decided that we would just shut down all of our marketing. Because our customers were so close to the front lines, we felt like we didn't want to be tone deaf to what was happening and we cared deeply about our customers' success and we had a lot of work to do for our customers. So we shut down our marketing and we decided that we would just focus on service. And so we applied you know, all of our marketing capacity and resources to think about service for the market, not just customers, but prospects too. So mentally we went through that shift and we literally 
shut down marketing. Now, we left demand capture on, right? But all of our content marketing, all of our email marketing, all of our display advertising, all of that stuff, we shut it down. Wow, and that's super bold. Uh, you know, yeah. For for I would say for for a company your size because you're not like Salesforce. And I had Ben Howell on the podcast, and he was telling me how Salesforce literally like shut down marketing for 24 hours and moved it because their products and solutions can actually help people navigate this thing. And so that, but that was an amazing task at his scale. But at your scale, like. You like businesses can't afford to shut down marketing because there's 25,000 other pieces of news coming out and you have to stay relevant and in context, right? And so this is another thing. That's why I'm like just speaking this out loudly because we have to realize like the situation that you're dealing with and the, ra the ramifications of making a, taking a stance like that can be disastrous. Yes, and I think we had no intention of, uh, you know, our intention was not to you know, continue to market in some way, but we knew the things that we had running were just way off tone and they weren't right for what was happening. So, um, you know, we put together this group of uh, our core marketing leadership team. We met daily and sometimes twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. We rapidly um, engaged customers to understand what was happening and we flowed it instantly into marketing. Um, I'm going to give you some, some examples Please. To, just to give you a sense. So, you know, when you, our customers were on the front, front line, one of the, one of the biggest things that they needed was some new functionality and features. There were new regulations for our industry that were coming out. So we, we tried to amplify like, Hey, everybody, here's the new regulations. And we knew we needed to get rapid innovation to market for our customers. So we focused there very quickly with our product teams. From there, with respect to like marketing tactics and some of the content marketing and some of the things that we could do to bring the industry together, right? We rebuilt the blog completely and we set up a COVID resource center. And so everything that we learned, we put on the blog. Um, we held executive discussions with prospects and customers. And we said, okay, let's just have an open forum. Let's create a space where people can come together and help each other to get through this very unprecedented time. And um, we just held these like string and series of executive conversations and forums just so that our customers and prospects could come together and rapidly get through the time. Um, we did a bunch of surveys too. And so we said, okay, what are people doing out there? What are they learning? What are they applying that the rest of the industry can uh, learn and apply to? So we did some rapid surveys and then we just did this like pace of like webinars or online events, virtual events, uh, just to bring those findings out to the group as fast as possible. They were the largest webinars in terms of registration and attendance that we've ever had in the history of our company. So, you know, it was like people were consuming the help and information as fast as we could put it out there. Yeah, I mean, when the tone of the brand changes and and you're relevant to the content, people will listen. But I want to double down on the service piece. It's super interesting because when most people think about service, they're just like, hey, I'm going to put a Microsoft form together or something or a type form together, send it out. But can you elaborate a little bit about on your surveys and your survey process? Um. I think we had some, you know, really 
close and strategic customer partners that we said like, what do people need to know rapidly? We very quickly put together what we thought that people would really wanna know about what the rest of the market was doing. And we just executed it through our survey tools instantly and immediately. So like our marketing automation team that that drives that communication to both customers and prospects. I mean, they were just like whipping these things out as fast as possible. And did you use any third party survey services as well? Or was everything home, uh, home in, in house? Some of it was in house. Some of it was like rapid, you know, survey monkey slapping some of the stuff out the door. I mean, we literally, we were just like all hands on deck, go as fast as you can. And so uh, we opted for non-perfection over getting it done. Yes. Okay. That's beautiful. I, mean, I just keep asking because they get, most people don't understand that the, the, there's like five different ways you can do a service, right? And it doesn't actually matter at the end of the day. What does matter is how quickly you get the questions out, get the feedback, and then do them again so you can get it done. But there are internal survey tools that you can use. They can use some services out there in the marketplace that can, but there's always somebody who can help give you a pulse of the world, including top analysts who everybody thinks that you have to pay a crap load of money to get their time for, but they're just people. You just, like sometimes they'll just do it for you and give you some tidbits that you can use. Um, so I'm assuming, are there analysts that cover your space today? I mean, not significantly. Um, I think there you know, are you know, real, real estate associations and you know, advisory companies. There's you know, lots of people within the industry itself, but if you were to think about somebody like Gartner, they do not cover our industry today. Well, if somebody from Gartner is listening, there is a magic quadrant for you know your software that's just waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, if this helps create the magic quadrant or the G two Cloud uh, page for for your for property management solutions, that it's an emerging category, guys. <laughs> so, so. Yes, and the G two crowds and those teams absolutely do cover it, but at the at the higher end, uh, they don't today. That's superb. All right, so let's move into the five things to do if this were to happen again, because I know that you have your playbook. Not, I mean, it sounds kind of weird to be saying this is a playbook because right. like, you would expect this to happen again. But let's call it a caution book. And uh, uh, if this were something like this were to happen, and you don't cannot see more than ninety days out in front of you, what do you do? I mean, I think it's I think it's you have to stop and listen to your customers. Number one full stop. That's it. Uh, we're in business for our customers. Our technology is mission critical to them. It's like, it's the number one thing, right? When we think about go to market and, and go to market execution, obviously, like I talked about before, employees really are, that was our number one concern. And so just writing the, the employees within the company, I guess that was our number one thing. After that, it was our customers. Um, I think really thinking about coming from empathy and service was number two and making a conscious decision to come from empathy and service. So that was a conscious set of decisions. You know, we could have done something else. We could have said, we're going to capitalize on the fact that every company needs to go through this digital transformation at a rapid speed and we're going to do everything we can to uh, drive customer acquisition, right? 
So we could have taken a different stance and a different strategy. And we knew that wasn't the right thing to do. And we knew that like they did, anyone that needed help as fast as possible getting up on our technology, our services and onboarding and implementation teams just brought people up and live as fast as possible. So we did that too, but it wasn't our strategy. It was not our intent and it wasn't our position in the marketplace. So coming from a place of help, service and empathy at a time like this was the right thing to do from our company and from our brand for sure. Right. And then I think, you know, just being, being able to have the agility to change the things that you're doing rapidly in, in the business. So those are hard things to do. It's a really hard thing to do to say, I'm going to stop doing everything that I would historically do. I'm going to do a completely different set of things and we're going to hope it's the right approach and we're going to hope for the best. Those types of decisions are hard to make sometimes, but really just making rapid decisions and moving fast was the key for us you know, versus waiting to ensure it was the perfect thing to do, right? So action above perfection was the way that we approached it. Yeah, I mean, that last point, I can't say it over and over again, you know, because in so many of my Zoom meetings during last year, my kids would show up. And afterwards, I just said, you know, this is a better way for me to get to know you as a person because I'm a big people person. Like, I, I would love to know people before companies or anything like that because it, 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 I feel like life and time is so short. You know, you just have to have a fun time doing everything. I had a blast, like literally, like getting to know everybody. And I would literally tell him, this happened, by the way, on the podcast with Craig. His kids were yelling in the background. He had to pause. And then he was going out to yell at them. And I'm like, Craig, what are you doing? Just have them go to the podcast. And we may actually talk about something different too. But this whole norm about having your kids and family and stuff like that all around, I think it's fantastic. It's just so much better uh, to get to know people. Yeah. And a lot of people talk about that. I think like finding these just wonderful bright spots during this time. And what are the things that we, that have benefited us during this time and really focusing on that and being grateful for, for the, the bright spots. You know, uh, we constantly joke about, uh, the 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 man that was on CNN and he was like an expert on CNN and this was before the pandemic and his daughter walked in with that yellow shirt and he was just mortified he didn't even know what to do and like that happens every day now for yes. all of us every single yes. day and and we constantly go back to that video and think like this is all of us now Yes, no, absolutely. I do. I do want to ask one thing for you, and and if this is too personal, please feel free to decline. But like, one thing that I love to help people with is to help them understand and unlock their I what I call super executiveness because you can get to be a VP, but after that, you really have to do other things, right? But then somebody like yourself who actually had to go through, and you're at the top of this organization, and at some level, like you are shaken as well. And and how does, uh, like when that happened, what, how did you uplift yourself to then uplift your team to go through this? I mean, honestly, my view is for the first period of time we were running on adrenaline, right? And it was like almost in a thoughtless way, we were just running on adrenaline. And very, very quickly after that, as we saw the magnitude and the impact, 
you know, across the world. We were so grateful for our position, for where we personally were, you know, as a as a as a group of employees, um, where our company was in terms of being positioned during the time that we were so grateful for where we were, we didn't even we didn't even think about ourselves really. It was just like, man, we have nothing to complain about. All we can do is be in service of other people that are out there. And so let's get to work and get that done. So that really has been the viewpoint of most of us in the company. But in that first period of time, I think it was mostly adrenaline until we could understand what was really happening out there. It's uh, just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, I, I keep bringing this thing back up because most B2B software companies are not dealing with the same type of thing that you were dealing with. And so uh, kudos to you, kudos to your team, and and actually kudos to your company for supporting everybody to to get through this and uh, and come out brighter on the other side. I mean, uh, everybody from Mafolio seems pretty bright, at least, as, at least from what I'm seeing on the LinkedIn posts and stuff. So uh, that's fantastic. Yep. We're, we're very fortunate and we're very grateful and we're happy that our customers also are, you know, continuing to be successful out there and getting great use out of the technology. Yep. Fantastic. All right. So uh, as we round the podcast out a little bit, uh, who would be three other people that you would recommend we bring on to the show? And I ask this because this podcast is kind of like, for the people, off the people, because we do not have a plan for this podcast. We just have amazing people that come and tell their stories, and they all recommend other amazing people that they've worked with who also tell their stories. And what's happened now is there are people that are across the world, like people from Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, like all those places, who are actually tuned into this because they sometimes, you know, like like our culture is a little different. We are very forward, right? Uh, yeah. Other cultures are not that different. And so they're like, how do I go get access to this person? And those people start writing to us about, hey, look, this was great. That person told me this, this person told me that. And so the stories have become amazing. And we feel that everybody who comes onto the show is actually a co-editor of the show. And so we ask, we humbly ask, like, who would be three other people that you would recommend we bring onto the show? I mean, the list is so long of people that I could recommend, but I'm going to pull out three people who I think have distinct and like interesting uh, perspectives. Um, so one is Matt Marshall. Uh, he is an ex-colleague of mine. He's a CRO at Spiff Incorporated. He's on the sales side. Um, just he has a fantastic perspective. He's very, very good at what he does. And I think he would be an interesting person to talk to. And I'm sure he has some great stories uh, and, and some insightful viewpoints. Um, another really just fantastic marketer and just superb business person and all around really great person is Makund uh, Ramachan. He's from Dynamic Yield. Uh, he has been the marketing leader at the company and just a brilliant person and a wonderful person. Like I highly recommend getting in touch with him. Um, and then I worked for about two years with a gentleman named, uh, Michael Plant. He's a marketing leader. He's been on the ops side, just a wealth of knowledge and just a whip smart person. 
So I, I really, I really think those are three people who have diverse viewpoints and backgrounds that would be really fun for you to talk to. Yeah, I feel like we need to talk more, Lisa, because I feel like you know everybody and you become so highly respected by, by so many people. So thank you for pointing us in the, uh, in the in this direction. And I now I know, like, I'm sure there's going to be five people or 10 people that listen to this podcast and they're going to say, well, I have a question for Lisa. Right? If it's OK, how could, should people connect with you? They can absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to talk to anyone there. It's a great place for me. Um, I'm there, and it's a it's a great it's a great platform uh, to connect with folks. So that's a that's a wonderful place for me to uh, meet folks and and get to know them. Perfect. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on to this show, and thank you for openly sharing your story. And I hope it serves as an inspiration to a lot of people out there. And good luck on your journey. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us, and share these insights with your peers.